celebrate. So grateful for the Lord. I'm not afraid to 
Amen. Can we sing that bridge as a prayer again? Sing that with us. Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Asking to break your heart. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. As I walk from earth into eternity. Lord, that's our prayer this morning. We're grateful, Lord, for how you move in our lives and help us to love what you love and to care for what you care about. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning. Good morning, Cypress Bible Church. My name's Nathan. I'm the Senior Adults Director here at Cypress, and we're so glad to see each one of you. Thank you for joining us for worship, and thank you as well to those of you joining us live online. We're so glad you are with us as well. And if this is your first time here at Cypress Bible Church, we just want to take a moment and ex extend a special welcome to you. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. Uh, we pray that you are blessed uh, by your time here. And uh, to that end, uh, we want to direct your attention to the little QR code. It looks like this. It's somewhere on the pew back in front of you. It might not be directly in front of you. It might be to your left or right, but we would love to have a record of your visit today. Know that you are here. If you take out your phone at some point during the service or after the service, just open up the camera app on your phone, point it towards that QR code. It should pop up with a little link that you can click on and you can give us uh, your name, uh, contact information. We would love to be in touch with you, answer any questions you have about the church. If there's something we can pray about uh, for you, we would love to do that. Uh, and by the way, that QR code's for everybody. If you just uh, want to submit a prayer request, that's an easy and effective way to do it. So take out your phone, submit a prayer request. We would love to uh, get in touch with you and pray about that prayer request. Well, uh, we also want to let you know uh, that uh, we talk about four things here at Cypress Bible Church. And uh, just real briefly, these are our four areas of emphasis. We mention them every Sunday morning from this stage. Uh, we believe in gathering together for worship. That's what we're doing this morning. We think that's pretty important. Uh, we also emphasize being a part of a grow group, uh, participating in some sort of grow group where we grow together. That's what we call them, grow groups. Uh, we also uh, feel like everyone should be involved in our go ministry, uh, where we go and share the gospel both locally and around the world. Uh, we want you to be involved with that. And finally, serving. Uh, using your God-given gifts to serve in some capacity, uh, to love others uh, and, and serve God. Um, we think, quite simply, that someone who's well-connected at Cypress Bible Church, someone who's engaged fully in the life of the church, is participating in all four of those things. So if you're ready to take the next step in one of those four areas and learn more about what your next step might be, we invite you to visit uh, one of the desks uh, in commons area. There are four of them, one for each of those areas that are in the corners. There's usually someone standing behind that desk, and uh, we invite you to visit that, find out more what's going on and how you can be involved. Well, I don't need to remind you probably that next Sunday is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. We are excited about gathering together 
and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and all that that means. Um, and so a lot of things going on here at Cyprus, three in particular that we want you to be aware of. The first, it starts Friday night. We'll have a special Good Friday worship service, seven o'clock right here in this room. The team will be leading us in worship. Thank you, Josh. Uh, Jonathan Chang will be uh, giving us a short devotional. And uh, this is a real family-friendly service. So please be very comfortable about bringing your kids, bring your whole family. And um, seven o'clock here on Friday, we would love for you to be part of that. And then also, we invite you to take a journey through the Stations of the Cross. Uh, this will be set up in the Student Life Center gym. It'll be open both before and after the Good Friday ser worship service and also on Sunday morning. The specific times are on the screen. And uh, this could be a real powerful experience, particularly when you uh, approach it prayerfully and kind of walk through the events of Christ uh, during Passion Week. So we invite you and your whole family to be a part of that. Again, this is also kid-friendly. Uh, Specifically, we've designed this for elementary age uh, kids and older. So uh, don't be shy about bringing the whole family to participate in that. Again, that's open Friday evening before and after that service and on Sunday morning. And then finally... Easter Sunday itself, uh, we will have our normal two worship services, 9.30 and 11 o'clock, and we encourage you to be here um, for those services. Uh, in terms of additional programming, the only programming next week outside of the worship services will be early uh, childhood programming, specifically that's birth through kindergarten. That will be at the 11 o'clock hour only. And then our special needs ministries, that's EYA and special K's, those classes will meet as well during 11 o'clock as usual. But outside of that, we invite you to just gather your whole family together, worship together in either the 930 or the 11 o'clock service, and uh, bring a friend as well. Uh, we would, Easter Sunday is a great time to invite someone to church, and so uh, we encourage you to do that. Both of those services will also be streaming live online. So, uh, we look forward to seeing you Friday night and again Sunday morning. Josh? Thank you so much, Pastor Nathan. Oh man, I have heard it said that Easter is like the Super Bowl of church. But really, Super Bowl is like the Easter, right? I mean, this is very important. This is the moment where we celebrate that Jesus is alive and that he came back to save his people by defeating sin and death. So that's an exciting thing, and it's also such a great opportunity, what Nathan was saying. Not just bringing you and your family, because we know you're coming. We know you're coming with your family. Hope you got some visitors, some kids or grandkids that are coming with you. Invite the FFC, the friends, the family, and the coworkers, right? You've seen that, the FFC? I just made that up this week. Friends, the family, and the coworkers. Invite them all. This is an opportunity where they may say yes to this, that they would not say yes to any other thing because you're supposed to be in church on Easter. But hey, what if they were supposed to be in church, they got here and God did something in their heart because you invited them. So take an opportunity to do that. As I've been reflecting this week on worship and all that we get to participate in this morning, I've been reminded of one incredible attribute of God, and that is his faithfulness. And I want to share this scripture passage with you. This is Psalm 113, and it says this, Hallelujah, give praise, servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be blessed, both now and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, let the name of the Lord be praised. Do you remember that old song growing up? From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord shall be praised. Remember that one? How many people remember that? Five people, six people? Good. How about the 
From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. Anybody know that one? That's a new one. Isn't it amazing? Through the generations, I was singing that song from the rising of the sun to when I was like in elementary school in VBS doing all the hand motions, which are super helpful to me because I know this is a sun now. You know, I didn't know that before, but I do now. Um, but a new generation has written a new version of the same idea. Where are they getting these ideas? From the Word of God. The scripture said right there, from the rising of the sun till it sets, let the name of the Lord be praised. So church, as we continue in worship, I want to invite you to have an opportunity to praise the Lord for his faithfulness. So we're going to take just a small moment in prayer, and I want to invite you to have a posture of prayer. Now, if that's just sitting where you are and praying, that's totally fine. If you feel comfortable and led, you could come and kneel down where you're sitting in your pew. You can kind of turn around and kneel. That's a little bit easier in pews to do that. Or you could even come down to the altar. And we're just going to take a moment and pray and praise God and thank Him for the faithfulness in your life. What's a situation that He's been faithful? What's a family member that He's been faithful to? What is something that you can praise God for? It is important for us to remember what God has done to be reminded of His faithfulness because if He was faithful then, the Scripture promises He will be faithful now and He'll be faithful in the future. And we need to remember that maybe in times when we're strong because when we're weak, we can easily forget it, right? We can be, oh man, He's not going to come through. He always comes through. He's always faithful. Let's just take a moment and take a posture of prayer. I invite you to take that now, and then let's praise God and thank Him for His faithfulness.
falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. Sing it out, church. I'm gonna see a victory.
Lord, we celebrate. Yes, Lord, we thank you for the victory that we've already seen in our life. And we know that if you've been faithful before, you will be faithful now and faithful forever. And we worship you because you fight our battles. You love us. You've proved your own love through us, through your son, Jesus Christ. And we celebrate this very important week in the history of our faith, in the history of the church. We remember the gospel and all that it has meant to our life and having this abundant life in you. Jesus, we worship you as the lamb who was slain, the lamb who was buried, the lamb who rose again. And Lord, we're gonna celebrate that this week with all of our might and praise you for what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Amen. We continue in this series, The Lessons from the Last Supper. Today we're going to be in John 17, often called the High Priestly Prayer of Jesus. This is the Son praying to the Father, and it's an amazing prayer. When you think about prayer and the answer to prayer, will God answer the prayer of Jesus? This is the question. Today we're going to talk about, as there are many lessons, many lessons to be learned from this Last Supper and from this evening that they have together. Today we are going to focus on the idea of unity, on the idea of uniting, on the idea of unite. There are many more lessons to be learned in this process. And I wish I had more time to go over the entire chapter. I tell you this, we're going to read the whole chapter but we're only going to cover 13 through 26, 13 through 26. But before we get into that, I want to ponder this question. Are you sick and tired of the way that the world is headed? Yes, amen. (laughs) It is a yes or no question. Now, I thought I might stand up here with a pen and you all to see, well, what sort of things are you sick and tired of? But I know the answer is yes already. And I know that as the day draws near, and if you understand what I mean by the day, it does appear to be getting worse and worse. And, And it is something very easy for us to get sick and tired of. But here's another question for you. Are you sick and tired of your brothers and sisters in Christ? No. All right. There's a few no's. The no was was loud. There was two no's. That means the rest of you were yes. (laughs) I heard Bill. That was you, Bill, wasn't it? Very loud. All right. So these are questions I want you to ponder as it pertains to this idea of unity and as it pertains to the section of John 17 that we're going to look at. But before we get into that, I thought it would be good to look at where we've been, to remind ourselves that this series, Lessons from the Last Supper, have all of these things that we've covered. The idea that during the Last Supper, which took place in the month of Aviv in the Hebrew calendar, on the 14th day of the month, When sundown hits, it becomes the 14th day of the month. This was Passover. Jesus in the Passover dinner, 
as I've told you before, he taught them to serve one another because he took off his outer robe and he tied a towel to himself and he went to each of his disciples and washed their feet. He said, in the same way, you serve. And this is at that supper. Jesus also taught them, hey, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Love one another in the same way that I have loved you. So we're called to serve one another. We're called to love one another in the way that he has loved us. And we are called to obey Christ. There's another thing he taught them. Obey. And when you obey Christ, you get the benefit of having him reveal himself to you more and more and experience the joy that he has in your obedience and the joy that you have in your life and the joy that you have in abiding in him. Last week, we looked at abiding in Christ and the idea that he is the vine and we are the branches. And through all of this, though, Jesus has also been talking about the Trinity. God, you must understand this about God. God is not like us. We were made in his image we are not the same being. None of us has the power of being within themselves. And I, I want to prove something to you. I want you to speak something into existence. I'm not talking about an attitude. I want you to speak a planet into existence. I did this with my kids growing up. I wanted to show them that they are different from God. And I told them, try as hard as you can. I want you to make a planet appear in your hand. I tried it too. We all failed. It's because we're not God. And for us to anthropomorphize God to make God sound like a man is a huge mistake. So Jesus is talking about the Trinity, the idea that He and the Father are one and the Spirit is with them as well and they are all together. I would have loved to have spent, really to, to cover 13 through 17, John 13 through 17, you need to spend months there's so many other lessons. As a Bible teacher, I hope that you're, you've been somewhat lured in to God's Word so that you'll go back and study it more and study it deeper because there's more lessons than these. Now, one other thing I want to mention. When Jesus was talking about abiding, they weren't at that supper table anymore. At the end of chapter 14, he says, let's go from this place. So they got up and they walked out. And this place that they were at was an upper room. And they went down the stairs. And they went through the streets of Jerusalem. And it is late. It's around midnight or 1 a.m. It's a late night. Hey, remember, the disciples are going to fall asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. Ooh, I'd be in danger of that. I would be in, in big-time danger of that because I don't like staying up too late. I get sleepy, especially if, if my wife and I are going to watch something. It gets dark, and, and you fall asleep. So I want you to understand, this is part of the reason why these disciples are sleepy, because it is late. And by the time where we're at in chapter 17, they have left the city of Jerusalem most certainly. Maybe they did by the time they were talking about the abide in me section. But they have left Jerusalem. And I want you to understand the geography of Jerusalem. If you see here on the left, we have Mount Moriah. 
It's the Temple Mount. It's also where the city of the old, old city of David is. It's where the city is. It's where the temple was. It's where they were eating. And if you go down Mount Moriah, you enter a valley in between Mount Moriah and the Mount of Olives. And that valley is called the Kidron Valley. Right now, when Jesus is making this prayer, he's praying in the Kidron Valley. He hasn't crossed over the stream yet into the Garden of Gethsemane, which is over there, as you see. It's there today. But Jesus, he stops here. And he, it's nighttime, and he's with his disciples. And he sets up this, what we're about to see, this high priestly prayer. Let's read the whole chapter. John 17. Hopefully you've turned there by now. John 17, starting in verse 1. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, and I I did the best I could. I I took three pictures, and I merged them together just to kind of give you what the scene looks like. Always picture these things, because this isn't just something you read. It really happened. So picture it. It is is beautiful, starry night. And he, he lifts his eyes up to heaven, while his disciples listen. And he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life, this eternal life that they, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. And they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, For they are yours, and all things that are mine, all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, and they, that, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. And I guarded them. And not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. That's Judas. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the, word has, the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. 
They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me, Father. I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that, there may, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known so that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reading of your word and our ability to hear it and read it. Lord, I ask that you would be with us now as we contemplate these things and dig deeper into this section. So, Lord, that we can not only know these things and in just knowing them and doing nothing, being puffed up, but so that we can know them and do them. Be with us now, Lord, as we all investigate this together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Nice setup. So, John 17, 1 through 12. Jesus is praying. His disciples are listening to what he's saying. Ooh, and, and they are a captive audience, and they are blown away by hearing this. And John, when he wrote this, if you remember, if you go back, I, I told you the people of Ephesus were begging John, please write a gospel. Tell us more things, things that the other three gospels don't say. I'm so certain that John was so excited to include all of this in here because this is not found in the other Gospels. So Jesus is praying, and he knows that his time has come. He knows that, and, and just consider this, now in, in like an hour and a half or in two hours, he's going to be captured, which is going to lead to his crucifixion in the, the morning. He knows that's coming, but, and he knows, though, that his disciples are staying, but he is going. And he knows that the Father sent him to accomplish a task and that he has accomplished that. And he will finalize it by his death and resurrection. And I want you to see this in there, and I'm going to say this. Ooh, it would have been so nice to teach this. The assurance of salvation, which is in 1 through 12. Jesus kept them. The Father will keep them. Jesus prays that the Father will keep them. He will lose none of them. Judas was not a believer. He always had the, the money. He kept the money. And he was always excited to rob from that. 
And he did not believe. He was not one of them. But he kept, Jesus kept them in God, the Father. And the Father is now going to keep them so that you, believer, no matter how far you have strayed from the Lord, as I told you last week, there is a consequence for straying too far and not coming back. We saw that. But you, believer, can be assured of your salvation. Your joy will be made complete if you abide in Christ. But your salvation is assured. Let's take a look now at verses 13 through 20. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, these disciples alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. That is us. Jesus, before he is taken into custody, before he's taken into custody, he prayed about you. You, you made it into the Bible. <laughs> You're not David, I understand, but you made it into the Bible because he is praying for you and me as well. And as I will also say, God is all-knowing and all-powerful. He is the master of time and space. He exists both inside and outside of our universe. So it is not beyond the realm of possibility that he thought of your name in particular, but said it in general here. But let's look at this section. There's some really awesome comparisons I want you all to catch. Jesus and the Word, and we all believers, Jesus and the world, uh, Jesus and the Word, Jesus is heavenly and not worldly. And we are heavenly and not worldly. We are called to be in the world and not of it. Jesus is from the Father. He came and dwelt among us in the flesh. And so we see that the focus there is both He and the Word come from above. And so we have something very special and precious here. And we ourselves are supposed to reflect that in the way that we live our lives. Jesus and the Word make the believers holy, and all believers receive holiness from them. But the word holy wasn't in there. The word was sanctification. Sanctification comes from the Latin word sanctus, which is holy. The Greek word is hagias, which the Greek word is the one that is used here. And it just dawned on me that might be a little difficult to sign. Hagias. <laughs> H-A-G-I-A-S. Hagias. There we go. Okay, sorry about that. So to be made holy, Jesus made himself holy, and he sanctified us, and the word sanctifies us. There's two senses that I want you to understand. Hebrews 10, 10 through 14 really says it beautifully, and in verse 14 it says, 
for by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Jesus sanctified us. He made us holy by covering our sins with his blood. So that is something with position to God the Father. We are holy because he is holy. He has made us holy before him. And not, he doesn't look at us and see all the sin. He sees the sacrifice that Christ did. And so before him, we are made holy by Jesus. We are also made holy by the word. That is in righteous living. It's an ongoing process of sanctification. So there's two senses. One is positionally we are made holy before God because of Christ. And two, we are sanctified by getting into the word, the source of truth. You see the next thing there? Jesus and the word are truth, and believers have access to the truth. If you want to know what is true, you've got to be abiding in Christ, and you've got to be in his word. That's how you combat that which is not true. Because look at the next point. Jesus and the word are hated by the world and the devil and all believers as well. We're hated by the world and the devil because the world and the devil do not have the truth, but we have the truth. We have the truth. And the nice thing is, we're kept forever. Believers are kept forever and we're kept. We're guarded from the devil. That word kept is where uh, we got that word kept in the Greek. It's that guarded. It's where we got obey. We got obey in that sense. The, the word was used so that you keep his word in your heart and you do it. Here we're kept, we're guarded from the devil. And we're sent to the world. Jesus was sent to the world by the Father and the word was sent to the world by the Father. We are sent to the world by the Son. And being sent to the world by the Son, we have a similarity here. Jesus accomplished the mission that the Father had for him. We are to accomplish the mission that Jesus has for us. And so we go into the world that hates us. And as you reflect on that first question, are you sick and tired of the way the world is headed? Well, there's a reason that you're sick and tired of it, because you have the truth. Truth is very obvious. But as Jesus went into the world to shine a light in the darkness, we also are being sent into the world to shine a light in the darkness. So while we are at enmity with this world, we must not be so overcome by it that we say we run away from the world. No, because Jesus sent us into the world. Remember, he said, I do not pray that we take them out of the world. I, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. So we don't get to be born and immediately go to be in his presence. No, that is why we are here. And it's, it's good and it's fine and it's right for you to be at enmity with the world and the things of the world. Do not become stained by the things of the world. That's why you've got to stay in the truth. Let's look at the next section. And I'll, I'll do, we'll start in verse 20 through 26, going all the way in. I know that it says through 25. That's a, my mistake. It's supposed to be all the way to the end. Let's look at this. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, 
that they may be one, just as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these you ha uh, these have known that you sent me, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. He's saying, let them be one. And, and we're one also with the apostles. We're one. So we have a couple of senses of one. But first, let's understand, what is this word one? What is this word one? It's this Greek word called heis. And it's the number one, but it's also a unity. And there's two senses for this word in this passage here. The one is that we are one with all believers before God. The glory of the oneness of the Father and the Son exists in us and that we are one with those who went before us. We are united. We are united. In fact, I want to look at a scripture here in a moment, but I want you to, to ponder the idea of the Trinity in the Trinity's union and the fact that the church is also united with the Trinity I and the Father, and the Father and me, and the church and us, we dwell together as one. So positionally, we're one. In the first sense is that we're one in Christ. As it says in Galatians 3, 26 through 28, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We have no advantage. This is one with respect to in Christ. We are one despite, let's look at these things, despite whether you're Jewish or non-Jewish. You don't have an advantage. This oneness that we have comes from Christ, and it's with respect to the Trinity, with respect to God himself. We are one. And there's neither slave nor free. Your, your position is irrelevant. It doesn't gain you that oneness. The fact that you're a Jew does not gain you, uh, physically a Jew, does not gain you that oneness. The fact that you're a Greek does not gain you that oneness, that unity. There's neither male nor female. This is with respect to how we're one in Christ, not with respect to our differences. We are one in Christ. There's no advantage that a man has over a woman. And it is fascinating, something to ponder. The man was circumcised. What of the woman? There is no advantage that anyone has, whether you're a man or a woman, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So positionally speaking, we're one, and we don't get an advantage. Here, let me, let me put it this way, too. We don't get an advantage for being Bible church. You think God is sitting there going, oh, the Bible churches are the special ones. That distinction is important before me. No. The Baptist church. No. But it was John the Baptist. Yes, 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 I get it. Presbyterian church. Oh, pres the presbyters, elders are in the Bible. So it's, no, listen, there's no advantage to be had. 
This is why it's such an amazing thing that it is God that has done it. It is Christ that has done it. And so this is one sense of unity. Here's another sense of unity. One with all believers. Therefore I, this is Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Paul writes, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This context here is be united together because he knows the struggle that we have in our distinctions. Your race doesn't matter before God. Your denomination doesn't matter before God. But what happens is we start to not have peace with one another because we refuse to unite because of sometimes over legitimate claims. Don't mishear me here. Jesus prayed this prayer and we are one before him. That means that if there's a believer that's at a Roman Catholic church, we're one with them. We're one with the believers of the Baptist church. The Lutherans, we're one with all believers. But when we fight we are called to unite. And there's a beautiful passage in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 4 where it talks about two are better than one and a cord of three is, is not easily broken. This is what we're called to do. We are called to unite together just as this cord is, just like we see in Ecclesiastes. But the world hates us. Our response should be to unite together because the world does hate us. And if we're sitting here fighting with each other, we're not giving them the truth. Rather, they're giving us their lies and deception. And we have been sent in the world. We're not taken out of the world. We're sent into the world and we have access to the truth. We should be giving the truth. But we're divided. We're divided amongst ourselves. We're divided in our families and friends. Now, this isn't a trick. I'm going to tell you right now. I guarantee you, somebody hearing this right now, you're divided in your family. You're divided with your friends. You know how I know it's true? It's true of everybody at one point or another. And when I say family and friends, I mean your fellow believers in Christ that are family and friends. We're divided in CBC. You think we're all united here and that we all see things the same way? We're looking for a senior pastor. We're looking for a worship pastor. I'm certain that we all agree on exactly what we need. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> when, when I worked for one of the worship pastors here, he would receive a lot of hate mail. It's too loud. It's too quiet. There's too many hymns. There's not enough hymns. I hate your guitars. <laughs> hate. It's, it's not... Unity, okay? And, and I've, got a, I've got a good example of something, even, even now, Brandon McKee, who I meet with pretty much every Tuesday, my brother in Christ, sharpening one another as iron sharpens iron. Well, we were supposed to have this big prayer meeting yesterday for the two gab class. The men were coming together to pray. Tomorrow, uh, yesterday, sorry, yesterday at 6.30 in the morning. Now, Jeremy's off busy man. 
doing all these things, trying to uh, be in a debate tournament, trying to prep for the sermon today, and I've been excited about it for months. For months I've been excited about it since he first er, mentioned it to me. And I'll say this, I'm not a great administrator. He is. He's a really good administrator. So it's been on my mind, but for some reason it was, was gone. Gone from my mind. He's got an opportunity to be angry at me. And it's an opportunity for disunity because I didn't even show up. I didn't even think about it till this morning when my wife said, Jeremy, guess what? Oh, my goodness. That is an opportunity. Things like that are, are opportunities for you to be mad at CBC. And not just CBC, but for you to be mad at other local churches because they are doing something that you don't like or we don't even care about them. But we're called to unite. Or you're mad at the major denominations and maybe you've got a gripe and you do. But as this world hates us, we should be uniting more than being more divisive. And when we unite in the truth, we accomplish that other aspect of the oneness. Jesus already made us one in him. That is fulfilled in Scripture. But this is a proof to the world for Christ when we unite together and show them. Just like love is a proof of your, your, that you're a disciple. This unity as well. What about uniting in you? You were made holy in Christ, so grow in holiness by studying his word. If you're going to teach the truth, you better be in the truth. I would love it if you were all just as, as crazy about getting into God's word as, as I am. I just, I love it. And stop being divisive with your fellow believers. Unite in the truth of his word. Stop being divisive at CBC. Unite in the truth of his word. Hey, we should all be uniting in the truth of God's word because that's what's most important is God's word. And we should agree on God's word here at CBC and seek ways to bring the local churches together. Oh, I wish, I wish that we had a plan to where we could break bread with our fellow brothers in Christ that we're one with in Christ and the other churches. And maybe if we could seek ways to bring the major denominations together. We're not going to compromise on the truth of God. But my goodness, you're kidding yourself if you think there are no believers in the Orthodox Church or in the Roman Catholic Church. Or if you think that only we Protestants are the ones who have it. We should be seeking it. Not to say that we compromise. Don't mishear me. We're not compromising the truth. But we should be seeking unity, especially all the more as the world hates us. We need to go into the world and do as Jesus did and bring the light that Jesus brought. And as we come to a close in the major lessons from the Last Supper, let's just circle back on all this and see how does unity, how does the idea of unite fit with everything else? We unite as we learn the lessons from the Last Supper. We unite as we serve one another. Are you serving Go serve. We unite, as, especially as we love one another. Right, Brandon? You still love me, Brandon? <laughs> Amen. Thank you. <laughs> we unite as we obey Christ together and encourage one another to obey. And we unite as we abide in Christ together. The beautiful lessons to learn. And we should be doing it together. Because when we do it together, we're encouraging one another to keep going. Unite. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this time that we've had to get into your word.
I thank you for your prayer. I thank you for all that you prayed for us. I thank you that you thought of us. And Lord, we know that your prayer will be answered. It is answered, for we are one. And I am sorry, Lord, that we have not been as united as we should be. But we need this constant reminder, Lord, because your word is truth. It says, sanctify them in the truth. And your word is truth, Lord. And your word has spoken today. Not me, but your word. And I ask that you would help us all to learn this lesson and apply it. Help us all to be brothers and sisters in Christ who share in this beautiful unity just as you are one with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us also be one in our relationships with each other and the bonds of unity. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Jeremy, thank you for that incredible message on unity and coming together. Church, we have an opportunity to respond to that right now. We're going to respond in a slightly different way, but uh, Courtney and Deanna and Cindy are going to play and sing a prayer over you. This is a prayer and a charge. And so always worship is participatory. If you know this song, feel free to sing out and respond in your heart as the Lord leads. But let this bless you and remind you of the message that we've heard this morning.
elders come forward. There's an opportunity you have to pray with them or speak to them. Just here in a, in a minute. But let us hear what it says in Ephesians 2, verses 1 and 2, with respect to what we just talked about. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Let us unite, my friend, in the face of a world that hates us, in the face of a church that should come together. Do it on every level. Today's the day. Don't wait.